From the Gray Homestead in the heart of the Ozarks, this is Front Porch Anarchast. We're spreading the ideas of freedom and liberty from the front porch, one episode at a time. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And this episode starts now. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. Carried out, it finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. And you're listening to an experimental episode of Front Porch Anarchist. This is a rare episode for me because I'm recording here on the homestead, but it is daytime, right in the middle of the day. I'm working on my side gig, some projects for my side gig before I go to work this afternoon, and I thought, hey, kill two birds with one stone, right? So we'll see how this works out. I've got a great cup of coffee going on here. Kids are outside, some projects going on out there, and I'm making t-shirts some custom t-shirts. So if any of you guys would like a custom t-shirt, send me an email, frontporchanarchast at gmail.com. Don't forget the H in Anarchast. I don't think I'm going to get around to actually making the t-shirt. I'm just doing the designing today. You know, there's a lot of things I could talk about today, but I think what I'd really like to talk about is coffee. Relax. I'm not a coffee salesman. I'm not one of these people who are trying to sell you mail order coffee. I just really like a good cup of coffee. It's a nice little pick-me-up in the morning. It's a great ritual. If you can get that cup made the same way every morning, it's just a it's a fantastic way to start a day. I've not always been a coffee drinker. Probably I've been drinking coffee less than 10 years, I think. About 10 years, maybe. Started out as one of those guys who just want to drink black coffee, and then it quickly escalated. Now, I dope mine up pretty good with sugar and non-dairy creamer, but not that powdery stuff. This is some kind of silk almond milk with vanilla in it or something. But nothing uh, nothing really beats a good cup of coffee in the morning. When we were living in our off-grid cabin, in fact, it was about the only reason to wake up some mornings. It'd be five degrees inside the cabin. It would be five degrees. And yeah, in that kind of weather, you just don't want to get up. So if you know that the only way you're going to get that cup of coffee is to start the start the fire and get the water to boiling, yeah, it's motivation to get you up. Helps get you all warmed up. Kind of sucked, though, during the summertime because it would already, by the time you get up, it would already be 85 degrees and you're still, like, wanting that cup of coffee. And something about iced coffee, it just doesn't doesn't seem quite the same. Although, I I guess I would settle for that if I had nothing else. But living off-grid, it was quite difficult to keep the eyes for the iced coffee. So the other day I was just thinking that, you know, I was I was taking a drink of coffee and I thought, man, that's that's the perfect drink. 
Because what I've noticed is, at least with me, there's a sweet spot in a mug of coffee. For me, it's not the first sip because that's a little too hot. I'm trying to figure out exactly where the level is in my mug, so it's kind of a it's kind of a surprise when that first bit of coffee hits my mouth. So I'm not really a fan of that, but I mean you do know that once you get that first drink of coffee, that that's just the first taste and that it's only going to get better. Unfortunately, once you hit that perfect drink, there there's a there's a point in every mug of coffee's life that you hit it and it's like, man, that was the perfect that was the perfect drink out of this mug. And from now on, it's just going to get worse. And so I started thinking about that. It was kind of a profound moment for me because I guess in a way, most things in life are that way. You try something out, take a couple of steps, you try it out and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I could, I could get to like this. And it's just, you know, it's only going to get better. And it does. It just keeps getting better. But at some point, all of a sudden, whatever that was, sucks. And then you can go back and you can look and you can find that sweet spot. Now, if life was just like a cup of coffee and you could just go pour another cup and get everything straightened out again and start all over, that would be so great. But life itself doesn't work that well. It doesn't work that way. Relationships don't work that way. So it's it's pretty important to build those relationships and, and maintain them from the start and just hope that they don't go south. And man, when they do go south, you've really got to work to to get back to that sweet spot if you can ever get there again. So how's that for a philosophical way to start this episode? And since I was thinking about coffee, I don't know if it was because I was thinking about coffee or maybe it helped me to start thinking about coffee or maybe I said the word coffee and Facebook heard it and started showing me all sorts of coffee ads. But one of the one of the ads it showed me was this um, coffee company called Black Rifle Coffee Company. First of all, I don't get the whole mail, mail order subscription coffee thing. For me, I need coffee. I stop at the store and buy coffee. Of course, I, I work right next door to a Walmart, and I'm not really particular about which coffee I use. I usually just get whatever's the cheapest and if I had to plan on some kind of subscription thing, that would never, that wouldn't fly. I would either end up with no coffee or I would end up with way too much coffee. It would just, it wouldn't end well. More power to you guys that, you know, your life is scripted out enough that you can, you can get your coffee on a subscription basis. But what is it that, that would draw a person to a company like Black Rifle Coffee Company? I've seen the ads and the ads are just ridiculous. I'm supposed to buy their coffee because it has Black Rifle in the name? Or am I supposed to buy their coffee because they shoot rifles in their in their ads? I mean, to each his own. Whatever kind of advertising does it for you, I guess. I'm, I'm imagining that they spend a lot of money on advertising because I, I can't see that their coffee is any different from any of the other subscription-based coffee companies. In my in my imagination, all of this coffee comes from exactly the same place. It just gets packaged with a different label on it. 
I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't even have a label on it. Maybe it just comes with a packing slip. So if it all comes from the same place, I can't imagine that it tastes any different. And they're not the only people who advertise that. There are other companies. There's one called Liberal Tears. And I've also heard some others. So there are a bunch of uh, different coffee companies out there that are doing exactly the same thing. And I think the only thing different is their marketing. And I'm not going to buy my coffee from somebody just because they have neck beards and sleeve tattoos and they're running around shooting at things. Not that I dislike guns. Not that I dislike people who have neck beards and not because I dislike people who have sleeve tattoos. It's just, I don't think that's, it's not marketing enough to get me to buy their coffee. So I guess this Black Rifle Coffee Company is trying to, you know, they're trying to pander or market, excuse me, they're trying to market to the to the gun guys, the uh, conservative gun guys. And, you know, I get that. It's a big market. They are um, usually more than eager to help out causes such as theirs to be part of something like that. And, and they advertise on all of the... I've heard this. I've heard advertisements for for these different coffee companies on. Mostly, when I hear these, they're on like a conservative radio talk show. Although YouTube has been targeting me, and I think I've, I may have had one or two Facebook ads on the subject. But I mean, they can market to me all they want. It's it's not going to do it for me. But speaking of conservative radio shows. I don't really have a podcast to review this week. I found that I found that podcast reviews are kind of a thing that I do. I'm not really sure why, but but I was listening to a talk show on the radio. It comes on Sunday nights, I believe, Sunday afternoons. It's called Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. I think that's what it is, Gun Talk. And it's the perfect show to advertise some of these coffee companies. I wouldn't really recommend his talk show. I mean, every now and then he has some informative segments where he talks about a brand new gun that has, that's been out or or sometimes people call in and talk about their guns and you know some of that's interesting but man talk about a statist. This guy he could not be more into respect the laws and respect the government and government licensing and government permitting. You would think that a guy who talks guns would be a little more open to the ideas of freedom, but he is all about forcing people to get a permit. And if not if not for the fact of having a permit, he wants to he wants a person to prove that they are responsible with a gun that they're responsible enough to carry a gun. So he wants to see all this, this state-mandated training. And, um, you know, I really didn't get his take on the background checks. I can only assume that he's all for the background check as well. He, he's all about gun safety, which, you know, hey, I get it. Guns are dangerous if you mishandle them. But if it were really a problem, there would be a lot more deaths or injuries than there seem to be, right? I mean... I think they're saying there's like 360 or 368 million guns in the U.S. Only a small fraction of accidental deaths 
per year. I mean, only a, a small, just a tiny little portion of the population are killed or injured by accidental gunfire. So I'm not really sure why why the push for all of this training. I mean, it's a gun. It's not like I'm doing brain surgery. I can see why you would need some training for brain surgery beyond, you know, hey, here's a scalpel and here's a drill. But a gun, it's like, here's the trigger, here's where the bullets go. Yes, I said bullets. Here's where the cartridges go. This is the end that the bullet comes out of, and it comes out of there when you pull this trigger. Make sure you have it pointed at whatever you want to shoot when you pull the trigger. And if safety is an issue, I really don't think that these laughable state-mandated training classes are going to do anything to make gun users safer. Not really sure if you've ever been to one of these gun classes, but there's not there's not a lot taught in these classes. The the ones that I've been to, it was mostly an instructor reading about the laws, where you can carry, when you can carry, who you have to notify that you're carrying, how to requalify and what forms you need to fill out to renew your gun per your gun permit. Then there's the fingerprinting. There's a lot of um, I know that I know it's said that there are no stupid questions, but there are a lot of stupid questions that are asked. And there's a lot of showing off of different guns, and and then uh, you take a break, and then everybody goes out to a gun range. In my case, one of the gun ranges I went to was really just a gravel pit. Seriously, it wasn't a gun range. It was a gravel pit. They had some barrels with a couple of boards, with a barrel with a board on top of each one, and that was sort of your your rest there. And you couldn't draw from a, a holster. You had to put the your handgun on the on the board there, and the instructor would load it with the appropriate amount amount of cartridges and tell you to shoot at the target. And then uh, one of the classes I went to, well, actually the first class I went to, there was a an older guy there that they ended up having to take his gun away from him because he just could not figure out how to handle it safely. Uh, I mean, he almost killed killed us all there. He was just waving that thing around every which way. So one instructor, probably 20 people, and you spent most of that range time waiting in line, hoping that you didn't get shot in the process. Yeah, sure, the guy also took some fingerprints and snapped a picture of us that was long before the days of digital cameras and printers. And I think we were using Polaroids at the time. But there's really not much in the way of safety that goes on in this. I mean, what can they, literally, what can they teach you about gun safety? If you know that it's unsafe to point a gun at somebody and, and, you, uh, and you understand the basic fundamentals of a gun, that you put the cartridge in it, you pull the trigger, it's going to shoot. Uh, yeah, sure, there may be another step in there. You might have to pull a hammer back. I don't know uh, your particular gun, but... It's pretty straightforward. Don't shoot something that doesn't need to be shot, right? How can you stretch that out into a four-hour class or an eight-hour class or whatever? I'm, I'm not sure. And if you need that kind of instruction, an eight-hour class isn't going to help you. Not at all. 
So I think this this Gresham guy would probably agree with me that an eight-hour class isn't really going to do you much good. In fact, I'm pretty sure he would like to see everybody, you know, go through a multi-week process from dusk till dawn, um, learning every way imaginable to shoot a gun. You know, I can see him as having us all get down on the ground and roll around in the dirt before we're allowed to um, have a gun. In fact, this episode that I listened to most recently, he was he had a, a person on his show that he was interviewing, and this guy came up with this curriculum, and they said it could take up to six months to get a certification from this guy. Now, it's a private certification. It's nothing that's government-mandated. It's not government-recognized. And at the end of it, all you get is a, a certificate from this guy saying that you completed his course. And this Gresham guy was all about this this course. He just couldn't get enough of that. What are they going to teach me that's going to take six months? Here's your gun. Here's how it works. Don't shoot something that shouldn't be shot. I don't understand. But this, like I said, this Gresham guy was all over it. He couldn't wait to tell us that, you know, while he was sitting there in his home studio, he has a, he has his firearm on one hip. He has extra magazine or two on the other hip, and he's carrying a tourniquet, so he's ready for anything. The people who carry the tourniquets are maybe they're the worst. Because, I mean, what's the chances I'm going to need a tourniquet? Pretty slim to none. Does he have a fire extinguisher in his pocket? Chances are he's going to need that fire extinguisher before he needs a, um, a tourniquet. At least that's the way I see it. I can think of all sorts of other training that would probably be more helpful than an eight-hour safety gun safety course or a 16-hour safety course. I can think of training that might be more beneficial than an entire six-month course on handgun training. I mean, there's food safety, there's defensive driving, there's CPR, all sorts of homeowner do-it-yourself kind of project classes. They might be more beneficial. I mean, how many people's houses burn down because of faulty wiring or something like that? Something that, you know, maybe if you took a couple of classes and learned to spot the, uh, the unsafe conditions, you know, maybe you could avoid burning your house down. How about a class on changing your oil, a certification on changing your oil, or just maybe a general automotive maintenance course? I can think of a thousand things that would be more beneficial than a six-month gun training course. Because as someone who has actually used a gun in self-defense, you're not going up against you know, some Wyatt Earp or Jesse James kind of gunslinger, right? You're going to have somebody that pulls a knife on you or pulls a gun on you. If they beat you to the draw with a gun, you're pretty much just going to give them whatever you have because... No amount of training is going to get you out of that, right? Drawn gun in your face. Maybe if, you know, maybe if this has happened to you a few times and you're really good at it, you, you might get away with, you know, running or you might, maybe you get to draw on this guy and you shoot him right in the face. Maybe it all works out for you and you don't get shot. Nobody that's with you gets shot. You know, some innocent bystander doesn't get shot by an errant bullet coming out of the uh, attacker's gun. If he's got a knife, you know, maybe you got a better chance. Maybe he's too far away from you and you have time to draw on him. I don't know. But 
I'd say your best bet in in safety when it comes to guns is stay stay in places that are safer. Can't say totally safe, but stay in the safe places. How about that? Then if you see so, then if you are attacked, maybe you'll see the threat coming from a little further away, give you a little bit more time to react to that. But I think for the normal person, no amount of gun training is going to prepare you for a shootout. Plus, you know, like I started to go into, you're not going up against Jesse James, right? Some dude walks up to you and he says, give me your wallet. You know, chances are that at at worst, you're going to be the same speed as this guy is when it comes to a draw. You can probably draw as fast as this guy does. I just don't see me, you know, practicing so that I have a 1.2 second reaction time and a, a one second draw time and putting me somewhere at a three seconds from initial confrontation until I'm pulling the trigger. You know, I, I don't see all that happening. If it needs to happen that fast for me to survive, I'm probably not going to survive even if I have a six month class, right? Because in, in real life, I can attest to this in real life. Yeah. It don't, it doesn't go the way you plan it to go, but this Gresham guy, I mean, he's I'm sure his heart's in the right place, but he, Maybe he's just been around the gun culture too long and doesn't realize that there's a real world out there and, you know, we can't all spend months of our lives training for a scenario that that may or may not ever happen. And if it does, is this training really going to help us? Yeah, I don't know. I think once you, once you weigh all the pros and cons that um, at the end of the day, just just be familiar with your gun. And don't shoot at things that shouldn't be shot at. How about that? I can probably sum up a six-month training class right there. Did I? Did I not? I don't know. You can leave me some feedback if you'd like. You can even leave me a voicemail. Just go over to anchor.fm slash frontporchanarchist, and there's a button right there where you can just push it and leave me a voicemail if you'd like and tell me how wrong I am or how much you agree with me, whichever way. And maybe I can use that on a future episode of Front Porch Anarchast. There's really a, a lot more that I would like to talk about, but I'm, I'm quickly running out of time here. I have to go to my my regular gig here in a minute. I have to do a couple of things before I can before I can get out of here. But but doing an episode in the daytime, it feels good. I feel a little more refreshed and talking a little faster, probably. I'm not sure if you got your money's worth out of it, but. It's kind of therapeutic for me to talk about that. Maybe I'll be able to get a, more episodes out in this uh, in this format. We'll see how that works out. Well, that does it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you come back for more. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchist. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchist on Facebook.
and our teenies know masters.